Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join us for the broadcast today, and what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. Today we're going to be studying deeper into 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we've done three studies already. This will be our fourth, I believe, in this ninth chapter, and we'll continue a little bit with the theme that Paul has been dealing with in this chapter. Paul is under criticism. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're the only one who's ever been criticized. Well, I'm sorry to inform you, you're not. In fact, the crowd of targets of criticism is a fairly large crowd. In fact, if anybody does anything, you're going to have somebody criticize you. I heard a, uh, a man say, if you want to be uh, liked by everybody, if you want nobody to say anything bad about you, you got to be just as sorry as they are. But he said, if you ever do anything, he said, listen, you're going to be a bullseye. You're going to have a target on your back. He said, you just be sorry if you don't want anybody to say anything negative about you. But anybody who steps out to do anything for God, you're going to face criticism. Criticism, of course, from the world. But sadly enough, criticism from other Christians who just are not as committed or don't have a vision or just uh, want to sit back and apathetically wait for the rapture, and you'll have to face criticism. Well, Paul did that. Paul was criticized. Paul was criticized from the Jews. Paul was criticized by the Gentiles. Paul uh, faced criticism from Rome. But sadly, Paul was facing criticism from his own converts. These in the Corinthian church are known as carnal. And often we think of the major sin in this church, which was that sin of uh, of, uh, fornication, immorality uh, that Paul has to deal with. But there's more to it than that. There's division, there's pride, there is a failure to deal with wrong, there is lawsuits, all these things are going on in this church, but one mark of carnality in this church is their critical spirit of their preacher. It's hard to believe that these people who were headed to hell, wrapped up in the wisdom of the world, until Paul came by and preached the gospel to him, would look at Paul and question his apostleship. They'd question his uh, his agenda. They questioned his uh, uh, his uh, genuineness. They questioned his motive, and they begin to doubt. And then they cast some stones his direction in regards to family life and finances, and they wanted to hold Paul to a high standard, a different standard, an unreasonable standard. And they thought, well, listen, we're out here working jobs, and Paul's taking a paycheck from the church. Shouldn't he be working a job as well? I mean, shouldn't he hold a nine-to-five somewhere, and then he can preach on the side? Can I say that is that is a, that is a horrible, horrible mindset? I know some churches like that. I've preached some meetings in some churches like that, and they're dead. There's about five or six people in there, maybe 20 if they're lucky. I mean, the spirit is bad. It's like walking through five feet of mud just to preach a message in that church. There's no liberty there. Why? Because they are not looking at it spiritually. They're not taking care of the man of God. They have no vision for growth. You wonder, well, I don't know why our church doesn't grow. I don't know why those sermons uh, seem to be so shallow. I mean, just no bite to them. There's no no oomph, if you will, in the message. Well, the man of God probably had no time to study because you 
you're making him work overtime just to uh, pay his bills. I mean, he's living in a parsonage, uh, single-wide trailer, things falling down around him. Other than that, you don't give him a dime. And so he's out there working all week when he ought to be praying and studying and witnessing and uh, uh, discipling and leading people to cry. I mean, he ought to be out there doing the work of the ministry. And that's what Paul is giving them an example. He uses the example of a soldier, of a, uh, a gardener, of a shepherd, and saying a soldier doesn't fight on his own dime. A gardener eats the fruit of his vineyard. A, a shepherd gets to enjoy the milk from his flock. He said, shouldn't a man who labors in the word and doctrine, I mean, be worthy of his hire? Shouldn't he be taken care of? Now, I'm not talking about a charlatan, of course, and I'm not talking about somebody who's ingenuine or not true. I'm not talking about someone who is a after filthy lucre, like some of these famous TV preachers who get into all the, the charismatic movement and all the, all the theatrics of that mess to make money and then live in mansions and fly their jets. That is not what I'm saying. But I'm saying a man of God who's a true man of God and who's shepherding people and trying to do a work for God and building the church, he is worthy of being taken care of. Paul goes on and gives the example. Here's a new verse for us, verse number 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? So he refers back. Now he's going to a higher authority than his own word on this thing. He's saying, you go back to the law. Deuteronomy tells us. God says you got to treat your livestock well. Those livestock help you plow the field and prepare, and they provide for you. They uh, assist you in getting the work done. You couldn't make it without them, so you ought not mistreat them. He said, you ought to feed them. You ought to take care of them. He said, does God care more for an ox than he does for his past than, than a man of God? Does he care more for an oxen than he does a servant? Does he care more for an oxen than he does a missionary or, or someone who heralds the gospel? Surely not. Verse 10, or saith, it, he, or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. So Paul is giving us these principles here. It's like you saying, uh, this is written for our sakes here. He, God's given us this uh, so that we can understand. The point is, all workers ought to share in the fruit of their toil. If you work a job, you expect to get paid for your job. Is that not right? You expect your benefit package, and if it, if it didn't come, you say, well, thank you for working the job, you, but you can go somewhere else to make your money. And that's not right. Same thing's true in the ministry. If that pastor is doing the work of the ministry— he doesn't have time to do another job. There's no time. I know some bivocational pastors, and God bless you, and I'm for you, and I appreciate what you're doing, but I wish these churches would do what they could do to help support these men full-time because, honestly, listen, if they were going to give themselves fully to that ministry, they won't have time, and some of these fellows are killing themselves, working themselves to death, doing two full-time jobs. There's no eight-hour days in pastoring or 12-hour days. It is on the clock every minute of the day. There's no day off. We might have a quote-unquote day off, but I'm on call. I'm, I'm in the, this, by the way, this is my day off. I am recording for the, this for you on my day off quote-unquote. I don't have a day off. I don't want a day off. I love I love what we do. I am here on this day where I'm supposed to be off recording this. Why? Because the work of the ministry doesn't have a time clock. You don't punch in and punch out for God. It, you're always on the on call. So I'm saying that a man of God shouldn't be expected to get out. Now, he ought to be willing to do it, but he shouldn't be made to do it at the expense of the ministry dying. And some folks are worried. I don't know. Our church is dying. Well, think about it. You're working the fellow to death. He's working 50 hours a week down at the plant or in the mine or out in the field or at the store, whatever it is, and then you wonder why the church is dying. I mean, you got to take care of those who 
are laboring in the field. Amen. Verse number 11 said, If we have sown unto you spiritual things, this is a great thing. If we shall reap you carnal things, that we've invested in you from our spirit. He said, Is it not worthy of a return on the investment? I mean, just asking for food and raiment, and we'll be content. Verse 12, If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should find, or lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. So Paul's saying, Hey, listen, other people, that you owe a you owe a debt to you pay your debts you pay your debt to the uh, car insurance you pay your debt to the phone company you pay your debt to the cable company you pay your debt to your landlord or your mortgage whatever it is you you, you pay that he said now we have that power over you as well we could say hey listen you'd be going to hell if we hadn't come preach to you your marriage would be busted up if we hadn't counseled your children would be going crazy right now if we hadn't labored for them on their behalf if we didn't provide this place and these programs where in the world would you be he said but we don't lord over you that way we don't bear down on you about that why because we don't want to hinder the gospel and that's the truth of it you know how many men of god there are out there and their wives and children who are living on less than they need to live on but they don't say anything about it they don't complain about it uh, they just pray about it and why because they don't want to hinder the gospel because here's the thing the first time they come to some of these carnal church members this uh, backslidden deacon board and say hey listen we can't even pay our bills with what you're giving us i mean we're not trying to be uh, crazy about this thing but we can't even pay the bill they're going to say he's after money while his children wear old hand-me-down clothes and his wife doesn't have a new dress and he, he's he's there up, up all night pacing the floor uh, a man of faith but a, but, a, but a man and he's worried and fearful for his family and he wants to see God bless those people but he doesn't he, he, he just doesn't have what he needs but that's what's going to happen so they don't say anything why they don't want to hinder the gospel if you only knew, I promise you this, you, I don't want our preacher to get big-headed. I promise you, you don't have to worry about that. Because you go ahead and try to bless him, there'll be somebody waiting in line right after you who's going to bring him back down. You'll never go wrong taking care of the man of God. If you want God to bless your church, be a blessing to God's man. He is worthy of it. He is worthy of it. You don't have to worry. So I'm worried that we'll just, he, he'll take advantage of us. That is not for you to worry about. That God will take care of that. You just do right you just do right by those who labor in the word and doctrine. And that's all of our time for today. Until next time, you pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, assistant pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.